talk about revolution that's going a little bit too far. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of More Like the Worst Wing. Our show, where here now in 2021, we take a look back at the seminal work, The West Wing, from a bit more of a leftist, socialist, modern-day perspective. I am Dave. And I am Stu. And we are here to discuss the episode entitled Disaster Relief. Well, what disaster are we relieving, you ask? Uh, it is a big old tornado. <laughs> what done touched down in fictional Oklahoma within the West Wing and done killed approximately 17 to like 20 something people uh, with more injured and many more losing their houses or suffering property damage, etc. Uh, in some, you know, small town in Oklahoma. Uh, obviously, this is a big, huge disaster for the town. Uh, although looking at it from the window of 2021 and disasters, <laughs> yeah. it is quite quaint, yes. uh, all together. I'd also like to say that the only disaster that needs relief is this fucking episode. Cause it's so yeah. bad. <laughs> it's so That's bad. A good yeah. This is a very poor episode and not really politically more, just because just, our characters act so out of character and it's just so boring. Yeah, we see and we so we remarked this is a big theme last time we recorded where it's like the writers are now just being are, are more um, narrative driven than they are character driven. And yes. they're using and deploying these characters as convenient to feed the narrative rather than letting the narrative develop within the schema of the characters, which was one of and right. I will begrudgingly admit that as shitty as he writes women Sorkin did have a knack for being like, this person has these personality traits, and so therefore we'll get into these sorts of, mm-hmm. you know, snafus or mm-hmm. interesting dramatic elements. They were a lot more consistently written, yeah, if nothing else. Uh, the character dynamics were preserved a lot better in the Sorkin era, and that's something we see, yeah, basically thrown out the window here, where characters just become props to the plot mm-hmm. instead of reacting to the plot in the way their character would. Um, perfect example is the main plot having to deal with the Oklahoma town in this episode, where President Bartlett in an extremely out-of-character move, decides to personally visit uh, the town, which, at first, uh, the White House and CJ and everyone is like, yeah, cool, good idea, go, you know, take some photo ops, we'll show that we really care about the situation and and that, you know, the president cares and blah, blah, blah. But then he just kind of decides to stay way past the (laughs) point where they were supposed to leave uh, and mostly just to kind of hang out. He's not doing anything there. Like, he's not helping clear debris, or <laughs> in, in a very embarrassing moment, he comes into a place where a volunteer is washing dishes and is about to attempt to recreate the infamous Paul Ryan yeah. <laughs> ho- ho- homeless food kitchen uh, photo op 
where Paul Ryan fake washed some dishes that didn't need to be washed with too much and detergent. So, so he like dissolved some of the so pots. any root. Yeah. any like ruined them <laughs> yeah. in the process, of course, <laughs> naturally. And the president is about to basically recreate this entire fiasco. CJ's not there to stop him. Thankfully, the volunteer is when, when the president offers to help her wash the dishes goes, uh, I think that would be embarrassing for the both of us, sir. <laughs> yeah, no, <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> like, Hey, I'm here doing it. Like it's my volunteer thing thing you don't need to take that away from me and be you're the goddamn president and you're in a suit and you shouldn't be washing dishes yeah you know what well, how about instead of like washing some pots you like deploy go, more resources go dial up the national guard yeah us. or like or <laughs> get some fucking funding or do these things that you can uniquely do as the goddamn president and not just being another useless pe- pe- pair of feet on the ground that's doing literally nothing. Like, I joked in the notes, like, at least Trump threw out some paper towels when he went to fucking <laughs> Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we all made fun of him for that minimal amount of effort. Well, P- President Bartlett does even less than that. Well, so I think this is actually an interesting thematic thing that the West Wing and, you know, a lot of liberal culture pushes too is that it's the inverse of the understanding of like um in some socialist circles i've heard it referred to as like quiet violence or like gradual violence whereas mm. like you know people in this country generally and i'm, I'm going to wander a little far afield here but people in the united states especially i guess we can say in the context of a natural disaster in context of covid they're Mm -hmm. just about the body count and they're like oh well this Mm -hmm. many million people died and this many million people got sick and so therefore you know this is bad or in the context of Mm -hmm. for example police violence it's like they shot you know x X number of of people in this thing but the thing that all of that misses is what i like to call it the quiet violence of economic deprivation of Mm -hmm. generic just grinding soul crushing material conditions and this is Mm -hmm. the flip side of that where you reduce the literally the most powerful person on the planet to somebody who takes a trip to a place that's just been devastated by a force of nature and is like you know what i can do to help i can roll up my sleeves like Mm -hmm. no Actually, and like you, you have, have executive a lot more orders. you can do. Like, yeah, <laughs> dude, you're the goddamn president. You control the government or a, a major branch of it. If not, you have so many options available to you other than physically going there. And when he's physically there, he does nothing yeah. <laughs> other than listen to these people's misery porn story about like, oh, my wife's dead. I don't even know how to cook for myself. And literally just the president stares at this guy. When he's, like, going through his misery story. And, like, this whole Oklahoma plotline this episode is just misery porn, basically. Yeah. And and you're working off of this expectation of valorizing the very, very important head of state who deigns to, to you know, to make this stop in this place. Mm-hmm. And I get it in terms of how we often do vest a lot of importance in these great men you know great people Mm -hmm. or whatever but again it's 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 the corollary to that quiet violence thing where it's like what about instead 
you stay in fucking Washington and send 20,000 National Guardsmen mm-hmm. to build and, me and a new house. people and, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. To, yeah, to actually do a goddamn recovery. And, and yeah. I, <laughs> I promise, I promise that Americans are not that stupid that they'll be like, oh, thank you so much, Mr. <laughs> Individual National Guardsman who happened to come by right. and construct a shelter. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, thank you, Mr. FEMA engineer. Yeah. I, I have no idea where you got your orders <laughs> yeah, from, but right. thanks for fixing my house. <laughs> you yeah. just came out of nowhere, definitely not the American government, and fixed my yeah. shit. Like, no, people are not that dumb. So yeah, give us a little they, bit of credit. They, yeah. yeah, to be fair, the, the whole thing is played strangely and commented on strangely, where toward the end of it, CJ, who has been in a weird position this entire episode. She starts off saying first that he should go and do a photo op because, quote, photo ops aren't cynical. They give people hope. Uh, sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll blow, we'll blow past that right now. And so once he gets there, she's like, okay, cool. We're doing our thing. We're on schedule. You're going to do this. You're going to meet with this person. You're going to take a photo op here. And then the president suddenly swerves sideways on her is like no i'm going over there to that gym to to go look at the survivors and the press can't get to the gym and so now cj's in a whole fucking pickle where the entire point of this trip was a photo op and all the cameras are not present yeah it's she cares more about that than the disaster so it kind of makes her look like pretty cruel and shitty (laughs) Yeah, and again, there is a there's this sort of weird Chinese wall between their official roles in these capacities and the fact that they are physically physically abdicating those official roles ostensibly to go help, but then right. once they get to the but place they just kind of maunder, helping. they just kind of maunder around and are like, um, uh, let's let's desaturate the film stock and ratchet up the contrast so the audience mm-hmm. knows that this is a bad thing that's happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so desaturated and there's yeah there's so much debris. Like I said, this is why it has a real misery porn quality to it. And so this sort of this dynamic with CJ and the president finally gets called out in the end. Where CJ is just like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and like, we, we need to go, sir. <laughs> like, you have you have work you need to do back in the White House and, and whatnot. And so finally they get back in Air Force One. And they're back on the way. And they're back on track and everything. And then they CJ and the president have one final sit down. And the president's like, I guess you, you thought I was just there because me personally, President Bartlett, I wanted to be there and to and to keep you there longer than we had planned. And CJ is like, I don't, I don't know, sir. And he's like, Well, that wasn't the reason. And it's like, okay, but you need to go be president again. Like you need to lead. <laughs> she has a great line of like, the world is so dangerous now, which again <sighs> seems quaint as hell from like two thousand three, yeah, or or whatever. But fine, fine. But like, I don't. I still don't understand what him physically being in the Oval Office accomplishes to to make CJ's danger sense feel better, or whatever. Like, we had a whole episode where he was stuck up in the air for twenty hours because of an Air Force One malfunction, and the government got along fine. I don't understand why he's so necessary. It, like to physically be in in Washington D.C. Well, you you mentioned here, isn't it? It's it's not even like a like a crisis level 
Um, there's nothing. Like there's relationship. No war, there's no. There's no set room thing. And there's nothing. There's a vote going on, which is the legislative branch, which he doesn't even control. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was the other thing. It's just like, oh, so you're going to go, like, the, the, what they need you back in Washington for is to swing your dick at your party? Like, right. ha- haven't we seen... You can't do, you can't do that over the phone? Or, or like, yeah, everybody knows the president's power vanishes when he steps off of the earth. Like, right. Like, that's what that's what's so bizarre. Like, we've had episodes where they set up, you know, a mobile sit room in his fucking ranch for debate camp. And, you know, he goes on vacation and stuff like that. The White House is capable of of working without the president physically in the building. We know this, but they're treating it like it's like this huge, huge fucking deal. This episode. Yeah, it's. It's very bizarre. It's kind of again. It's totally dissonant. You know, they've they've spent all this time sort of. I don't know. Again, making it feels sure like it's out of a different show. This whole this whole part. Yeah, and like you make sure to humanize the president, and you can tell that that it's it's just weird to watch because you can tell if you're a mature they even viewer. Did that poorly. Well, no, you can tell that that's what they're trying to do. It's so obvious that that's what they're trying to right. do, but. Oh, you watch look how it, much like, he cares. You're watching your list like, well, I mean, you got to do better than this. Like, if you're going to show me um, yeah. what's going on here. Yeah, because all he does is just sit there and listen to people. Like, it's like, I guess that's caring cinematically. <laughs> like, that's visual shorthand for caring. But it, it, I don't know. It just didn't work. Yeah. And again, there's there's a fundamental dissonance between like how they treat it and how CJ's run around and handling People because and mm-hmm. that that does away with the what they are looking to accomplish, which is to again have a human touch and like you mm-hmm. know a personal empathetic connection. It just kind of throws it mm-hmm. all away and it gets garbled up. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's why uh, yeah that's why the president is not home this entire time. Right. Um, right. Uh, one final thing I wanted to mention is that the. Uh, governor of oklahoma is there and since oklahoma is obviously a red state uh she is not thrilled with bartlett (laughs) coming in and is basically just antagonistic the whole time and is like well you know you need to because back at the white house which we'll get to in our second segment one of the plot lines is a potential uh cap gains tax cut and uh and and the Oklahoma governor brings it up is like these people are being taxed to death, you know what with the gas tax and <laughs> yeah. the death tax, I'm like the fucking death tax. The next line is what's the average income here? And CJ's like thirty five thousand. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the death the death tax is really ripping these people apart. <laughs> yeah. The the thing that kicks on on estates of five million dollars or more. These these thirty five a k a year motherfuckers. They all have giant estates. Yep, so much wealth to pass on after you spend 40 years in grueling poverty going to manual labor jobs yeah and i do like that so first of all the governor's the actress's name is marie cheatham she's actually from oklahoma hey um well there you go she's got the accent down she is a soap opera like I don't want to say a legend because I couldn't necessarily pick her out of the lineup, but she's like career worker, career worker. She has hundreds of credits in episodes of soap opera. She was in 212 episodes of general hospital. 
She she has probably thrown a lot of drinks in faces. <laughs> yeah, 184 episodes of Search for Tomorrow. Um, just like really, again, kind of like a working actress, which is great, awesome, like good for mm-hmm. you. She also, I think, played the mom in Beetlejuice, if I'm not... No, uh, maybe not the mom, maybe the grandma in Beetlejuice. Okay. I can't remember. Um, I haven't yeah. seen it in a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that mostly does it for the Oklahoma part of the episode. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll discuss everything that happens back at the White House. Not easy to please, but try me to try me. I think I'll run before they know what I have done. Gonna clear myself from here. It may be a while before I feel alive, but I will run or I may die. And welcome back. The White House arc starts off actually at the very beginning of the episode before we even learn about the tornado where the cold open is dealing with Josh recovering his uh, uh, face in, in essence from the defeat uh, last episode where the Joe Manchin-esque uh, senator from Idaho switched parties and is going to go Republican. So he gets called in to Leo's office to, you know, get a little yelled at, but then Leo's like, don't worry, you're not fired, you're not, you know, you can keep your staff, but we might take away some of your agenda, because you seem overstretched. And at first, Josh is like, okay, great, you know, I've, I've <laughs> suffered no actual consequences, this rules. Yes, um, me reaping, me sowing here, or me sowing, me reaping right. here. Like, <laughs> right, yeah, he's in the me sowing part yep. of, of, at first. And so he's like, okay, great. He goes back to Donna. He's like, haha, Donna, you thought we were fired. <laughs> we're totally not. And he's like, go set up some meeting, important lunch meetings for me, blah, blah, blah. And he's, he's going to meet with like someone important at lunch. And so Donna, this whole episode is actually like in uh, operation protect Josh's fragile ego mode <laughs> where her and CJ are working together to make sure that like, he doesn't suffer too hard from the the incoming backlash that's going to come from him fucking up the Joe Manchin situation. It's just, I mean, so this is this is a show. This arc is about the inconsistencies in Josh's personality. Now, in a mm-hmm. if this was written this year, this could be done somewhat interestingly because it's obvious, and we all know that your your coked up, overconfident asshole types, mm-hmm. a la Rom, and you know mm-hmm. his modely Josh. Josh is based yeah. on, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, that they hold some deep insecurities, and oftentimes their bluff, I guess the bluff manner is literally just projection and a front that they put up. Mm-hmm. But and when and when it gets damaged they're exactly it, they there's nothing collapse yeah 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 there's nothing behind <laughs> yeah. it they they pop they pop like a bubble yeah so th- it it could be done and that could be visited and dug in on in a in a thoughtful frankly and interesting way to add some depth to this character instead it plays out that it's just another fucking two cathedrals there's like yeah Except, except worse and stupider. Yes, much worse and stupider. Except it's Josh <laughs> because, Lyman. Because at least, at least the president was grieving a friend. 
Josh, Josh Lyman. Lyman is just like mad that his career has taken a tiny tumble. And yeah, it's just like oh, I made a mis- or I made a mistake. I made one I, bad. I call. made a boo boo, right? And now I'm suffering the smallest consequences, which is that they're bringing in someone else to help me do my job. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> oh, god, oh god! Bless responsibility for the same amount of money. How could you? And, and I'll and I'll still get all the yeah. credit and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. And he acts like, he acts like it's the fucking end of the world when, so the other person is Angela White, Angela I Blake. think is her last name. Which Blake. is weird because I swear <laughs> um, to God, that's the name of the woman in Watchmen. It's definitely, um. Lori Blake. Oh, well, but the original, uh. uh oh, you're right. Uh, S- Sally. Uh, oh, Sil- maybe you're right. Uh, Silk Spectre, I think, was Sally, Sally? Juzapex or Lori, and then Lori Angela changes Abar. her last sorry, name sorry. to Blake yep. when when she realizes the comedian's yep, her father. Right. Spoilers <laughs> for Watchmen. <laughs> and the other character is Angela Abar. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Anyway, I'm getting them confused. Uh, so, but but yeah, she Angela Blake is the woman we saw in the Deep Throat Garage <laughs> yeah. with Leo just a couple episodes ago, giving him the poll results about. Uh, Bartlett's and Zo- the Zoe kidnapping situation and everything. So now it is, she's more than a pollster. She's like a political operative, I guess. And now they have hired her to help Josh do his like legislative liaison job in, in essence. Yeah. And this is just, this is just the end of the world for, for, for Josh. Josh Lyman. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Um, yeah. And you know, there's, uh, we, I want to say, Oh, sorry. Uh, Ryan is used quite effectively in this plot line for once, where his presence, which is meant to annoy Josh, is here used to to hammer home to Josh how low he has fallen. Where when he's at the important lunch meeting that he had Donna set up, turns out the guy doesn't show because I guess Josh is so disgraced now. And so Donna sent Ryan there to be his, like, backup hangout guy so that they could have lunch together and he wouldn't look pathetic for having lunch by himself in D.C. Yeah, and it's somewhat touching. I like that um, he is able to sort of get that that's why he's there and he, like, takes some care with Josh, who, frankly, has been a tremendous dickhead to him. The entire right. time. Right. But yeah, I just, I like the moment of Josh realizing that's what Ryan is here for and like, uh-oh, oh, I've really fallen far, haven't I? Yeah. Which he, he hasn't, ultimately, but like, to him, this is, you know, the worst thing in the world. Yeah. His, having, having lunch with Ryan instead of like, another DC power broker who he can yell at and do his ROM thing. Well, and, and ostensibly in this context, that I imagine they're worried about him fucking it up again. So. Right. Of, of, yeah, so the whole, yeah, Leo drags him in and is basically like, you, you weren't you didn't break the ca- the camel's back was already broken, but you put the straw on it and then rolled ran it over with the steamroller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, thanks, uh, great is, boss. You know. Yeah, which is a good way of describing Josh's approach of just sort of dumping gasoline on fires mm-hmm. uh, and going like, "Well, it, it's results. <laughs> you can't argue with results. The flames got bigger." Yeah, 
And, I mean, this is all said in the context of they're trying to pass a capital gains tax change and... Right. It's garbage. Like Which gets which gets bailed out by the VP basically just kicking the can down the road, but they act like it's some brilliant yeah. maneuver. <laughs> where just like he's he's just like, Okay, Mr. Aggressive Senator, who really wants cap gains tax? Well, you want to attach it to the budget so that we have to vote on it. Well, here's the thing. What if I wink wink say we might wanna vote for it on its own if you just take it off the budget? And then they agree to that and they act like it's a giant victory. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, everybody. Like great plan. Great. Great. Now two months from now you get to have the fight on its own and you're gonna and you're gonna roll over and just let it <laughs> but, happen but anyway. The, because we said the the important thing is that we didn't have to have it today. Right. Like, um, which, and that's part of like why they claim the president is needed back there is to like help with this shit. But again, it's the legislative side and he doesn't really need to help with anything. And it, it always seems like whenever we involve the Congress at any depth in these issues, they are very headstrong. Like they, they, mm-hmm. they seem disinclined. Yeah. To yeah, very few times has the White House actually managed to like lobby yeah, yeah, yeah. an issue successfully in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they don't seem to be particularly vulnerable to like being bullied no. by the executive branch. So no, they they know what they want, yeah. and and they they have their clear agenda, and we'll see more of that. I assume as we get more of uh, I forgot his name already, but the ev- the obviously evil GOP Speaker of the House now. Oh yeah, um, who is, uh, shit, it's not. Who is who? The guy who replaced John Goodman. Yes, exactly. Uh, who we saw a couple episodes ago as like, oh, Speaker Halfley. <laughs> Halfley, Speaker yep. Halfley. Yeah, that's Good a save. fictional name. The the character's name. Thank you. Uh, in the rest of the White House plot, uh, we get oh, uh, Terry O'Quinn shows yes. up. Yes. Uh, as as a new general type who is replacing Fitzwallis as Aww. head of the Joint Chiefs, which is sad. Uh, Fitzwallis is. Which and Fitzwallis is still around though, and will show up. Um, because spoilers, they they kill him off later at some point uh, in like yes, season six. They do. So Fitzwallis is not gone from the show, as opposed to someone like uh, Barry Hill, who gets name dropped in this episode, but the <laughs> yeah. actor is uh, is gone. <laughs> yes, legislator not appearing in this episode. <laughs> sir, 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 Secretary of State, <laughs> not appearing in this. <laughs> So, but Terry O'Quinn, who is awesome, and in case you don't recognize him, he's Locke from Lost, and also, I will put in a huge plug here, he plays, like, the father figure in the Amazon show Patriot, which is, um... I don't know how quite how to, it's about a it's about a secret agent and a government agent trying to do a thing, but it's also his he's a deep cover agent and he goes to work for like a pipeline company as a pipeline engineer and so half of the entire first season of the show is a very very funny sort of process of him being found out as like a fraud because he just uses these buzzwords and it's just an incredible high concept bleak humor show and terry o'quinn is in every episode of it it only ran for two seasons it's very funny everybody should watch it that's great uh yeah i had never heard of that before that sounds delightful maybe i'll take a look it's it's awesome uh I also know him, besides just from Lost, as his one-off as a evil admiral on Star Trek The Next Generation, who uh, Riker 
who used to serve under, and they had a whole oh, thing really? where, like, they fa- they phased a ship into an asteroid and killed, like, half the people on board, uh, and then the Starfleet had to cover it up. It's a good episode. No shit. Oh, I don't even remember that one. <gasps> yeah. I, I, so I just looked it up on Memory Alpha. He is so young in this. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Yeah, no it's, wonder. It's way, it's way before Lost. Wow. Yeah. It's, like, back in 91 or whenever the fuck they filmed it. Holy so, yeah, shit. He's a young Terry O'Quinn. Damn. All right. So we'll we'll be seeing more of him yes. in episodes going forward as he, uh, like I said, basically replaces the Fitz Wallace role. Uh, he brings up that people are mad that he got a he got promoted to the role, and then like they're they're trying to screen all the general promotions, like all 150 general promotions is brought up as this weird side topic, and Leo gets mad about it. Oh. I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of in the White House stuff that just gets brought up and kind of thrown out without truly examining it. Even the Cap Gaines thing is barely talked about. Although at least Toby is mad about it. So they got they got that right. Like at least Toby is mad about the idea of, of cutting capital gains tax. Yeah, so you know, nominally they are sticking he, to the He's guns. not he's the he's not the one making the argument to cut the yeah, tax. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well and the other reason that we see Terraquin General Alexander in this situation is that we are manufacturing a crisis here between the Greeks and oh, the yeah. Albanians. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, nothing nothing better than you know, ginned up border disputes in in the in the non-shitty part of the Balkans at the time. Like, yeah, great. Um so, I don't know, like that that mostly that does mostly it. That mostly does I'll, it. I'll, this episode is like, okay, you want to have a tornado disaster episode. Fine. I understand that. There's a million di- better ways you could have done it than, than the way they chose, ultimately. It's so... It's tonally dissonant. The, the mood whiplashes back and forth. And ultimately, just the characters don't feel like the characters we've been watching. It's, it's like you're watching different characters re- react to a whole new situation. Yeah. It's it's very strange. It's particularly weird that, and they, they will continue to do this to a certain degree because they are, what they're trying, what I imagine they're trying to portray is like this concept of the administration as somewhat adrift. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so like they, but. I do get that. But it's. But, and like they're. But uh, it's, it's, it's just being, yeah, it's being delivered on the back of President Bartlett, who we have seen react differently to similar situations in the past. In fact, we've seen all of these characters react differently mm-hmm. to, you know, like uh, in Josh's case, for example, like making a bad call and losing some face. Right. You know, having right. CJ and, getting uh, like, flustered. And he, like, right. Yeah, they're usually pretty good about bouncing back from it, unless it's, like, really major. You know, like, when Josh got shot, for example, and he needed, like, PTSD therapy months after. But, yeah, for the most part, they're usually portrayed as extremely professional and extremely ready to bounce back from mistakes. And understanding that in the level of job that they do, mistakes are going to happen and they're going to be big. Yeah. And, like, you know, mentally, they're all prepared for that in in the Sorkin years. Now, in this year, they're they're just, they're different characters, and they're not ready for this sort of thing. And it's, I guess it's just a way to mind cheap drama from the writers to be like, oh, Josh is taking it so hard. 
but like he shouldn't. Yes, and we're that that's not the way his character is. And I, I'll say this: it sounds funny to say, it, but like that's not the correct deployment of his character in this mm-hmm. show. He has right. never been the person that you embrace empathetically in a moment of personal crisis this way. He's always the guy who's making the one-off jokes and being an asshole about it. Right. Right. Yeah, he's the he's like supposed to be like the force of nature in essence. Like, you know, he you can't control him. He only has one mode and it's like on. You know, he has on and off and he doesn't have an intensity dial. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's weird. Like yeah, it's just weird all over. As you said, it's just a bad episode, and I think we're done talking <laughs> yeah, about it. I mean, I really don't have much else to say about this. I'm trying to yeah. like make a last cruise through it, but like again, also I would like to note that they are. It's interesting to watch the sort of like this makes the episode, or like this is like the the standout of the episode, shifting heavily, continually towards like the guest stars and like. Angela Blake is great. Um, I don't know what the actress. I don't remember what the actress's name is. She was. Yeah, I've seen. I've seen her. On she was in the Wire. Um, and then you know, obviously Terry O'Quinn is awesome and does a very good job in this role. So it's sort of in like the two the two minutes he's on screen. Yeah, and it, it just it feels um, like kind of like they're just you're standing on a beach and they're just the main characters are just like receding away from you with the tides. Like, um, okay. So like, but wait, come back. (laughs) Like, um, you're just kind of blurring into the, the surf here. Like what's going on. So what's going on? Where where are you going? (laughs) No, don't go. So, but Uh, yeah. uh, One one final thing before we get into the actual wrap up part is I almost forgot this bit, but it's really good. It's peak West wing. You could argue so toward the end of it, Josh is all sad about the fact that Angela Blake's been brought in and he, he thinks this is, means like, you know, he's basically done for now. And so Don is like, well, I know you think you're done, but I found this folder of all the stuff that we said we were going to do over the last three years and that we've all completely fucking ignored. And uh, look, look at all these good ideas we could do, huh, Josh? As like a way of cheering, oh, him, yeah, up, yeah. cheering him up. And spoilers, they won't do any of them. <laughs> uh and oh my gosh yeah so um that's just peak west wing right there like look at all this good shit we were gonna do and we forgot about and and that's basically every single time in previous episodes that we're like well nothing happened out of this plot line like that's donna's whole folder right there is all the plot lines that were dropped the uh the the college tuition or tax bill and all that Uh shit Uh uh-huh it's that's that's number one in the folder. Yeah. <laughs> that's the top item. Uh, uh, okay. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you didn't watch this episode if you're watching along with us. <laughs> Sorry if you uh, did. Here's another one to skip. In fact, you can probably just skip most of them in season five until we get to an actual good one. Um, yeah, I can't which remember. I guess is, is just the Supremes and <laughs> nothing else. Just, there's just one. There's only one. There's only the one. <laughs> and even that episode has some dog shit politics, but we'll get there when we get there. But uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back to discuss the next episode next time. You can always drop your comments in our thread on Something Awful or on Bread and Roses. You can email the show if you found the show another way at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Which is nice. And we will see you next time for another episode of The Worst Way. Thanks, everybody. Bye. And I'll 
Goodbye and stay safe. But don't ask me to come on along.